Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Dave Waswell. Dave is host of The Bowler Show. You can check that out, bowlershow.com. It's heard live 5 to 7 Central Time every Sunday night. Dave has some of the latest and greatest guests on bowling and all sorts of good stuff like that. So, Dave, want to thank you for joining me today on the Above180.com podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about how you got started with your show and tell everyone kind of your background and really ultimately what the Bowler's show is about. Well, the Bowler show came about from a different sports show that we had here on the radio in Kansas City that we started on a very small radio station uh, back in April of 2004. And we were just doing two hours of sports radio just for fun, to be perfectly honest. Not a lot of listeners. It was a small station. And I decided, hey, it would be a good idea to get a, a bowling segment, do like 20 minutes a week on the show. And obviously I had a lot of contacts in bowling around town. Thought maybe I could get a sponsor. Well, it, it went pretty good, and then we, we stopped the show for about four years from 2009 to 13, and we started it back up, and we kept the PBA or the bowling segment idea in there, and for some reason this time around, I guess probably because of social media and other outlets to get the word out, uh, it just kind of, it, it kind of went from a small segment to where we wanted to do an hour of the two-hour show on bowling to where we had to branch out and do an actual two-hour show by itself. Uh, on on the on bowling only, and that's how the bowler show uh, came about. And we've been doing it since January uh, of 2013, and it's uh, it's been doing great. All right, so let's. Uh, I'd like to get your thought and perspective here as we head back over the course of the year 2016. What are a couple of the the bigger storylines and some of the stories that you've been following on your show, and that you feel really bowlers have been uh, been most vocal about? Well, you know, there's different rules 
things that have happened here in the last couple of years and the, and the changes at the USBC. We've been following that. And, of course, each and every week uh, we have a USBC segment with Matt Canazaro called Canazaro's Corner at 5.40 p.m. Central. Uh, I think the biggest thing that happened in the last year or so was, was the advent of the PWBA because we, we had, you know, still had some bowlers with Liz Johnson and Missy Parkin and a few of the ladies that were bowling some of the men's stuff. But, of course, they didn't really have any venue for themselves for to have a tour. And, of course, all the younger bowlers that were coming out of college or already gotten out of college had nowhere to bowl. So I think that was probably the biggest story that, that came up when, when the PBA, PWBA was announced, that they were having a three-year uh, resurgence tour or however you want to look at it. I think that was the biggest story for me because it, it was something that needed to be done, and it was also something that was – uh, good for bowling, and it was good for the show, of course, because you know there just wasn't a whole lot of talk about some of the ladies bowling, and this brought it up, and, and you know basically giving them a venue to bowl where they're not bowling against the men, they're bowling against you know their peers. Uh, I think the PWBA is probably the biggest story in the last year. Well, and one that I want to hit on that, like you said, has been a focus of my show as well, has been a lot of the USBC Open Championship news and notes and the announcements that have uh, came out regarding the tournament starting next year in Vegas. What has been the sense of the folks that you have on, whether they be newsmakers or whether it's kind of been what Matt's been telling you on his uh, segments as far as what people are thinking and and where are we going to be going from here? And is this going to be that big a deal or is it just going to become the, the you know kind of the new normal when it comes to the USBC Open Championships? Well, we, we try to keep it positive on the show, but a lot of times it, it ends up, I don't know if I'd say negative, but just combative because of everything you see about bowling on social media. And that's, you hear people talk about the, the downfall of bowling is social media. And, you know, everything that they want to come up with, they try to tear bowling down. Well, we try not to do that on the show. And I, I, I'm for most of the changes. I have no problem, even with the, the releasing of the pattern. Uh, next year, and that's something when I have Jeff Riggles on, of course, we go back and forth on, and I kind of kid him a lot about how how uh, how it was in the old days, and of course he was there, but th- there's obvious reasons why it's better to release the pattern. I, I just always liked them not releasing the pattern. Uh, as far as the change with the division, I, th- I think it's really something that was needed. There, there's too many 180 to 210 guys that are fighting for Eagles that really have no chance uh, fighting for money in brackets, you know, uh, I think that was the the studies that Chad Murphy found uh, was the, you know, the demographic that was losing the most was those one eighty to two ten guys. So I think I think that's a positive too. I I think people look at changes as a negative in bowling. I think I think I see that too much, and I, I wish people would look more at what either they can do for bowling or what you know they can do to help, and maybe not just tear down every new change that's that's listed out there. Well, and you bring up Chad Murphy, and I know since he's uh, taken over as a USBC president, one of the things that I think is good, and, and they're always you'd hear this, and I would get the common theme on my show. Well, there's it's USBC. It's just this big glob organization that you never hear from. You can't really connect with them, and you just see that you know you don't get much communication. Well, Chad will go into s- social media and kind of mix it up with folks and share his thoughts on why things are done the way they are. So you may not always agree with, with some of the decisions that come out of Arlington, but at least they're willing to listen to other people's perspective and, and make changes if, if something, is, something is awry. And, and like you said, try something. And I'm wondering, have you heard from any of the higher tier bowlers who have been kind of 
not so happy with some of the rules because let's be honest, sometimes those guys just go out there and prey on people in that 180 to 200 range for brackets. Yeah, they are definitely worried about brackets and the amounts. And you know, back in the old days when all the squads were full, that that might not have been a big concern. But now uh, that will be a concern. How many 210 plus guys are going to get in? Uh, will there still be some 180 to 210 guys get in because they are eligible to get in those higher higher brackets if they want to? And with myself just becoming a senior, I'm actually looking at it for myself also uh, in that fact that, hey, next year, uh, if I want to get in senior brackets, I'm going to be bowling against uh, two ten and over seniors only. So really there may not be a lot of brackets uh, to be available. And bouncing off what you said about Chad Murphy, uh, I do see him talk on Facebook, and sometimes, sometimes I don't know that that's a good thing. I like what he says, and I'm actually a fan of Chad. Uh, but I think when he gets in there to mix it up, it, it's it's it can be tricky. He's got to really be careful um, what he says. And 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 to be perfectly honest, there's just people on there waiting um, to stir it up with him. And seeing some of the stuff that people posted about the the five dollar parking at Junior Gold uh, for the registration, I think that's one of the the worst things I've seen as far as people fighting on Facebook uh, over a five dollar parking fee after what happened last year at Junior Gold and the way they set it up this year to make it easier for everybody to register. I think that's that, that might be just the, the post right there or the topic that uh, kind of tells you what's going on in bowling right now. Well, exactly, and that's one of those things that you said people are sometimes always looking for the negative instead of taking the positive side to things, and it's one of those things that is a, it's a, it's a fine line you walk between mixing it up with people and then people that are just waiting for you to, to mix it up with them. I know Chad is very approachable, and that's the one thing that I – and I think we kind of follow the same rule on social media. We're both kind of old school when it comes to that. If I'm going to say something, I would probably say it to your face. I, I would go up to Chad and, and tell him the same thing. And, and, by the way, he is very approachable. I mean, I've, I've saw him at a couple different bowl expos and introduced myself and chatted with him. Always willing to talk for a few minutes with you. And um, and I think that's that's a good thing too. So I, that's the way I use it. But then, like, you, there's other people that just are waiting to go on and bash someone uh, on social media. So you talk a little bit about your bowling. Uh, let's talk about your background. You talked about your background in radio and how the show began. But you were quite a bowler too, as well, back in the day. Yeah, I started off, uh, believe it or not, in the golf business as a kid, and thought I might make it as a PGA Tour golfer. But that didn't come to fruition, and I learned early on that. Uh, if I had any chance in the, in the professional world uh, of doing something like that, it would it would be in the world of bowling. I uh, went on tour in the 80s, uh, 88 to 90, and then uh, return battle about 1999. Uh, I actually quit my job when I was 34 and decided, hey, I'm going to go back out. And then I hurt my knee, and the next thing you know, that was the end of my PBA uh, career. Uh, as far as, like, amateur stuff, I, I haven't really bowled a lot of tournaments. I've worked weekends the last 20 years. So I don't get out and bowl a lot of tournaments. Um, probably the the typical house bowler to bring up Dick Allen, uh, THB. That that would probably be me, even even at my age now. Um, I've been blessed to bowl very well for a lot of years, even with some of the the knee stuff. And probably probably the thing I'm the most proud of is that the knee has shut me down some of the years where I've had to switch off left handed, and I've actually bowled uh, almost as well left handed as I have right handed. So I've been very very lucky and very blessed to be able to do that. Uh, with some of the injuries I've had. Yeah, so uh, i got to ask you this. So how easy is that? Because I'm uh, approaching 40, and I have developed in my game some very bad habits that some very 
talented bowling coaches have been working with me to try to resolve. And I've even said to them, kind of half-jokingly, maybe I should just switch to left-handed since I don't have any of the, the muscle memory to, to those bad habits. And they kind of didn't say no, but they didn't say yes. So talk about the challenges that is for someone. I've known a few people who can do that. But talk about the challenges of what that takes. And ultimately, is it just, again, a lot of practice to get your game down to where it can be you know, somewhat competitive on the, on the op- with the opposite hand? Well, obviously, that's going to vary from person to person, but I think there's a lot of guys who could probably do it rather easily, to be perfectly honest. You see guys, uh, professionals, when they're practicing, you get bored, and and they'll start throwing left-handed, and you can see the talent. And if they needed to or wanted to or had to, they could could probably make the change. Uh, The main thing is you start off with lighter weights. Of course, it's it's hard to manipulate the ball. And it's funny you brought up how how your muscle memory – uh, would be gone, and actually, people say I throw the ball a lot better left-handed, and I guess part of that is just because I don't have a lot of those bad uh, muscle memory things in there over the years. But, but mainly for me, when I see people, and, and there's a couple of guys here at the local bowling alley who've had to switch or or just made the switch, it's it's probably not as hard as people think. And I think you'll know early on. You'll you'll have a good idea if you've thrown a ball with your other hand. I think you have a really good idea if it's something you can or can't do. Um, but, but most people, it will take a little bit of time, of course, and, and moving up in weights and uh, some practice. But it's uh, it's something that definitely can be done, especially if you've got uh, good good enough hand-eye coordination to be a good bowler right-handed. All right, well, I want to talk. Um, you're affiliated with Storm, as I am. I do the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Show with Steve Klempkin, um, and I'm also am on Storm staff like yourself. What's in your bag? What are you really liking from Storm? I know we just had the latest Roto Grip release. You know, Storm has uh, had the fight just come out uh, very recently. But tell me what's in your bag and what you're liking out of the Storm lineup these days and Roto Grip. Well, the t- the two balls that come out right away to, for me are the rocket ship and the snap lock, and especially the snap lock. It it's a house shot monster. It's just such a a smooth rolling ball early and just, just revs up so much in, in the mid lane, especially uh, what it does in the back back of the lane. It's, it does something that not many balls do. It's it's very strong uh, for me, especially on half-shot conditions. So that's probably my favorite ball out right now. Uh, I'm actually bowling a, a sport league also this summer, which I, I normally don't do. But uh, I, I would say for, for me, uh, the ball in the row grip line, I haven't had a chance to throw the no rules or the, the record yet, of course. But for me, the, the ball that came out fairly recently uh, in the store, uh, I'm sorry, in the row grip line was a high wire. That ball has been very versatile with me. I've got two of them, uh, one pin up, one pin down with a little bit of surface on it. And I can throw those seemingly on, on a bunch of different conditions, uh, some of the tougher sport conditions. I just I, I get a, a smoother, consistent roll out of that and you know off of that iq tour that's something in the storm line i, I don't know that that, that ball's ever going away tim it's it's been in the line for four years now and uh the high road's in there seven years i i foresee that the iq taking over that title at some point it, it just works on so many different conditions and it, it's a ball that's not new but it's a ball that i've got to have in my bag well, like we talked, um, when you had me on the show, we talked about a couple of mine, even to go back to the Marvel Pearl, which is another one of those classics that you just wonder, you look at their list of why are they still selling this? Well, they're still selling it because people are still buying it. Or it's still, you know, they're still releasing it and still uh, pr- producing it because people are still buying it and it's still in demand, which was the same thing, you know, like you're saying with the IQ. I mean, people still love that ball. And 
I know I know people that actually crushed it and did really well with that ball out in Reno and um, the PBA stuff. And and I would say if you get a chance, a ball that I think is kind of it was a little underrated in my opinion at least. I didn't see. I mean, I seen some publicity and some play on it, but the fight I thought was a really solid for a, a solid piece was a really good ball. And in that little bit lower priced here for the folks out there listening who maybe don't want to go out and get the high-end ball, but I thought it was a very predictable role, very even arcing type ball, a, a good benchmark ball, you could say, and something you, you know what it's going to do, especially, I think, if you're bowling on some of those tougher patterns where you don't always want a ball that's going to you know, hit the pattern and make a left turn, but it was a really, a really nice uh, look for me, you know, even in Reno, keeping your angles a little tighter with that ball. So a ball for you to take a look at possibly if you're looking to change something up in your arsenal or even for folks listening, um, that ball really did me well. And then I, I agree. I like the, the high wire too has been one of those balls that for me has just been uh, really great in the roto grip line as for me it seems like if the haywire starts hooking a little bit too much i go right step down to the high wire and it's it's right there so uh, great stuff on the equipment there um talk about too one of the things that you do dave is is you just uh, recently had a tournament and talk about that charity tournament that you had where you brought in a couple of the uh talented stars of the pwba yeah we started a, a tournament a couple of years ago here at my home house and Summit Lanes in Lee Summit, Missouri. It, it's it's something that kind of spawned out of I wouldn't say necessity, but they they have a what's called the Willie Pollard Scholarship Fund. They weren't raising enough money during the year, so we decided we were going to start a bowler show uh, doubles tournament and get a bunch of people up there uh, to to bowl, of course, and then also to to help the charity. So it spawned from that. This year we were able to get Lindsey Boomershine and Alicia Current, and this was about a month ago, and they they did a great job there. Uh, they weren't necessarily into the bowling as much as uh, they probably could have been or should have been. They they kind of stepped aside and let some other people uh, do well, but they were great with everybody. Um, it's something that we're going to we're going to do every year, and we kind of do it whenever the PWBA is coming through town or coming close through town. This year they were in Wichita, and then they were making their way to Lincoln. So luckily we were able to get uh, Lindsay and Alicia who were traveling from Wichita to Lincoln to stop by the bowling alley and do it. Um, it's something we're going to do every year. It's, we, we've raised, uh, in two years, we've raised over $2,200 for the Willie Pollard Scholarship Fund. And it's something that uh, since we started, it's gotten it's got bigger both years. We had 24 teams the first year. Uh, this year we had 35 teams. So we had 70 bowlers uh, on a Sunday with a lot of people bowling other tournaments uh, show up. And, and we're really proud to get everybody there. And couldn't thank Lindsay and Alicia enough for showing up. Well, great stuff, Dave. Again, check out uh, Dave's show, thebowlersshow.com. That airs Sunday from 5 to 7 Central Time. And, Dave, you do your show live, so you get, like you said, we were talking a little bit, where you're going to get the latest and greatest guest right on over the weekend as to what happens over the weekend. If there's a you know big amateur event, uh, tournaments, or anything, you're going to have them on. You're going to have Matt on. I'm guessing that with uh, this might be, is this going to be Matt's kind of last hurrah, or is Matt going to do one more for you next week, kind of a wrap-up of the tournament? Yeah, we'll give Mr. Canizaro one more one more week of employment with us. He, he's gonna he's gonna do this week's show, and then uh, he'll do a wrap up show the following week. And we can't thank Matt enough. I got a chance to see him in Reno, and he just loves bowling. He does this, you know, out of the goodness of his heart on his work time. Uh, each and every week, he gets this update on what's going on uh, at Nationals, and, and Matt is really good uh, for us for the show and for bowling, and, and deserves any accolades that he gets. Uh, as you said, we try to get uh, 
try to get guests booked during the week. I try to also wait until Sunday when a lot of the tournaments are being bowled. As you said, we air 5 to 7 Central Time Sunday nights on kcsportsradio.com. And uh, we also archive all of our podcasts uh, at schmucks.podbean.com. So uh, 545 interviews. I just checked on the site there over the over the past uh, three, three and a half years. So pretty, pretty, pretty proud of that. We've got a lot of people that uh, if they can't listen Sunday night, they'll check out the, the site there, check out the archive. So we appreciate everybody who listens to the show. Yeah, and on that note, when when you had me on, you asked me who the most um, challenging person was that I interviewed, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tease people to say go listen to the interview on on the uh, the podcast version of the interview that we did, so you can hear my answer to that. But I would like to hear kind of your answer to that, and then also kind of the the second part of that is what interview do you think got the most response from people, whether it was uh, comments, ideas on what to do, or hey, that was great, and oh my, you know, the just the interaction with folks. Well, I'll, I'll tackle the first one first, and I'll I'll, I'll do it with uh, one of my best friends and contributor uh, to the show, Jeff Rails. He he is great for the show. Him and I have a couple of different views, so sometimes we'll go back and forth. Uh, have a, we have a lot of fun with it, and uh, the, the releasing of the patterns is probably the biggest one where we kind of go back and forth and and chat about it, and I'll I'll, I'll kind of stir the pot a little bit and get him going. So uh, I won't call anybody out necessarily, but I'll I'll bring up Jeff Rails, of course, for. Uh, the fun that we have on the show and, and our differing views sometimes. Um, probably my favorite interview or the interview that spawned the most interest or when I have some of the old school guys on, uh, I've had Johnny Petraglia, uh, Carmen Salvino I've had on twice. He's probably the one that gets the most people talking and I, I could just have him on the show for two hours and, and still have plenty of time to, to talk to him about everything. He, he will talk about today's game, what happened in the fifties, uh, he will talk about anything that's related to bowling, and he talks in, in a positive way about everything. And, and he's he's talked about the the two handers and and the differences uh, in today's game versus the old days. But he doesn't talk about it in a negative way. So probably Carmen Salvino was the interview that that, that I've had the most fun with, and uh, probably get the most response with. Awesome stuff, Dave. All the best of luck with everything, and uh, let me know. We'll have to stay in touch, definitely, and continued success with the bowler show all right good sounds good tim thanks thanks for everything you do for bowling also and uh storm nation <laughs>